greetings everyone right, let me turn on this real quick God bless you <clears throat> it's good to have all of you welcome everyone um, just if you guys have your Bibles if you want to turn there to the book of Acts uh, the 16th chapter and I just want to let you guys know in advance just make sure um, your mics are muted everyone's mic right now are muted but I just want to make sure I've I've had people who have said something that they didn't want to be recorded um, it was by accident and so just be aware of that um, <laughs> When Sister Anna cried to cried out to her mama, <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up, but sis, since you since you brought it up, I mean, <laughs> uh, I can still hear your voice, mama. <laughs> oh man, that was funny. Um, but I, I want to ask that we turn to Acts chapter sixteen because we're gonna pray right now. Um. I believe the Lord has given me this message last night as I was praying. Um, <clears throat> so as, as you're turning there, again, it's Acts chapter 16. We'll begin on verse 13. And we're just going to read through and I'm going to offer some commentary on, verse by verse. But as you're turning there, I want us to engage in prayer. I want us to pray that God would speak uh, to each and every one of your hearts. Um, I want to pray that God, God's word would be honored, that Christ would be honored in this place. Um, that his Holy Spirit would join with us. Right? We need his presence. We need his Holy Spirit. Um, it matters not even if I am able to explain the Bible. Um, but if I don't come in power, if I don't come in anointing, then it matters nothing. All you've gained is information. <clears throat> and I believe it with all my heart, and I've said this before, but information without spiritual revelation will lead to your stagnation. So we need more than information. In, in, in this world we have, in, in this day and age, we have a lot of information. We're not lacking in it. We have many bookstores. We have our iPads or we have our iPhones. And you can easily get a, a wonderful Bible app, in fact, for free. And it will off, it'll come with a library of good information. But what we need is empowerment. Right? So <clears throat> let us pray. Father God, we... Come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just ask, God, right now that your Holy Spirit would join with us. Father, I pray that your power would be present. I pray that your anointing would be present. I pray, God, that even now you would begin to cut to the heart, Father. Lord, I pray against any demonic interruption. I pray against anything that the devil would attempt to hurl this way, Father, to disrupt or to distract or derail the minds of your of your people father i pray that every demonic spirit would be brought low and be brought into captivity 
Father, I pray that you would open up the hearts like you open up the heart of Lydia, Lord, to hear the word of the Lord. I pray that you would open up the hearts of your people. I pray, God, against any form of resistance. I pray, God, that you would be honored. I pray that Christ would be magnified and Christ would be glorified. I pray that your name would be lifted high, that after the end of this meeting we would come to love you more than we did before the meeting, Lord. I pray, God, that you would grant clarity and you would dispel all manner of confusion. I pray, Lord, if we're in a fog or if we're in the fire or if we're, Lord, in the midst of a tribulation or test during this time, God, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would lift us up. I pray that you would empower us. I pray that you would break every chain, God, that we would not live in bondage, but we would live with the liberty and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would grant liberty. Your word says wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, Father, may freedom be present. May liberty be present. May the joy of the Holy Ghost be present. And, Lord, I pray that this word would serve as a two-edged sword, discerning the hearts and the motives, dividing both soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that the words that I'm submitting today would make sense in light of eternity. I pray that they would make sense in light of eternity. Father, I pray that our consciences will not be able to dodge your word. Not be able to dodge or rationalize your word. May it be undeniable, God, that you speak, you have spoken to the hearts of your people, O Lord. There's nothing hidden in your sight. And Father, I pray that we would couple our hearts with reverence. Lord, I pray against any indifferent or apathetic attitudes, Lord, towards your holy word. Hallelujah. And I pray, Father, if repentance or conviction is needed, Lord, I pray that you would grant that. If encouragement is what is needed, Lord, I pray that you would grant it, Lord. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is what the word of the Lord reads. We begin at verse 11, as I've said. From Troas we put out to sea. No, excuse me, let us go to verse 13. I apologize. On the Sabbath we went out the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira. Named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you considered me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. I just wanted to... I'm not going to focus primarily on this passage right here. The passage that I want to focus on primarily is from 16 onward. But I 
begin here because I want us to get an understanding of what's going on. Paul receives a call, a vision, and that he's to go to Macedonia. And the people of Macedonia are saying, help us. Right? Well, two things I want to say there. Number one, we believe in visions. We don't believe that the visions have ceased with the prophets of old. Now, obviously, visions that we receive today are not able to be added to Scripture. However, God still nonetheless nonetheless speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through uh, prophetic words. He speaks through um, impressions. He speaks through it all. The Bible says, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men's uh, shall see visions. Old men dream dreams, right? We t- hear a lot about these are the last days, their last days, their last days. Well, if these are the last days, the Bible says in the last days he will pour out his spirit, right? And so we don't, we don't believe that this stuff has ended. We're, we're always trying to get the biggest, the, the, the latest scholar trying to argue away this truth. But you know what? The man who has an argument is at the mercy of the man who has an experience. The man who has an experience is never at the mercy of the one who has an argument. Alright? But <clears throat> what, what's going on here is that they're preaching the gospel. And, and the Lord opens up this woman's heart named Lydia. And if you guys don't understand what purple represents, or it, it represents luxury. And so she's making a lot of money, potentially. Right? And the Lord opens up her heart. And Paul doesn't use eloquence. He doesn't use persuasion. He doesn't use, he doesn't finesse. He doesn't use charm. He don't use tactics. He uses the word of God, but he is also anointed and he comes in the power of the spirit. He says, I didn't come to you with words of eloquence. He says, I've come to you with the demonstration of the spirit and power. I asked the brother uh, recently, I said, brother, how do you demonstrate spirit? He said, I don't understand what you mean by the question. I said, yes, well, how do you demonstrate that which is invisible? You demonstrate it by the miraculous. You demonstrate it by the spirit's workings of healings and tongues and prophecies. These are all manifestations of the spirit. Every spirit needs a physical body to interact with the natural world and the Spirit's activity is evidenced by that objective reality. Right? So, Paul comes with the demonstration of the Spirit and power. He doesn't use billboards to get his name across. He doesn't use any of this stuff. Just as Jesus, his fame had spread abroad. Why? Because if, now obviously Paul's in town, but Paul's God's man and God is on him. So if God is in town, how can he not be advertised? Not by, you know, manipulation or by anything like that. But the fire of God is upon this man. But nonetheless, the Lord opens up his heart. And you could be assured of this, wherever the word is sown, the devil is right there to try to take away. Even now, 
I do not doubt that the devil is trying to rationalize in your head, use the arguments to, to rebut everything that is being said, because wherever the word is sown, the devil's going to try to take it and snatch it away like the parable of the four soils and the sower. Right? If, if it's taken away by the bird, you don't understand what is being said, and this represents the devil who inhibits them from understanding. Or if he distracts you by the worries and the cares of this life so that you cannot even focus. Whatever route is available to him, the devil will avail himself of this opportunity. Lest you receive the revelation, lest you receive what God wants you to hear. Right? And so here's what happens the devil ends up interfering. In this ministry, the devil ends up interfering in what Paul is doing. The activity of the Holy Spirit, and we will see right here in verse 16, it says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. So notice here, people are getting saved. Lydia got saved. But they're also going to the place of prayer. Now I understand that you know, people that are masters at exposition... You know, at, at you know, um, staying true to the text, you want to avoid inferences. Now, I'm, I want to confess that I'm just making an inference here at this point. But I think, if I if I can make an inference, I think it's reasonable to say that whenever you go to the place of prayer, be assured that demonic interference will occur. And and if if the devil cannot prevent you from praying, you know what he will do? He'll put he'll put thoughts in your head. He will distract you. Your phone will go off. You you will you will reason yourself out of praying, saying I I don't want to do this, right? But here's the thing. I remember Smith Wigglesworth said this. He says, um, he said something to the effect that, um. That when he wakes up, he feels a certain way. But but I'm I'm butchering it here, but I'm paraphrasing. But he says, I tell Smith, Smith Wigglesworth what he'll be feeling today. And now, I believe there's an ounce of truth to that. And I believe the truth is this, that feelings do not dictate our obedience. Feelings do not dictate what we do for God. What dictates what we do for the Lord is what the Spirit is leading us to do and what the Holy Scriptures declare for us to do, not how we feel. If we only obeyed for every time we felt, then we wouldn't be obeying more than half the time. It's not predicated upon whether or not we feel spiritual or we feel praying. See, you know, the interesting thing about Muslims is that they pray three times a day and they're consistent. And they're devoted, and they will, and obviously they're not praying to the true God, but at least I recognize and I respect the fact that they're consistent, and it doesn't matter whether they're feeling it or whether they're sick. The fact is this, is that we as Christians, we've been called to the highest call in His communion with the living God. 
It's communion with Him. It's to burn for Him. It's to be infilled with Him, empowered by Him. And this is our life source. And so the devil will attack it. He will derail you. He will try to bring you out of alignment to allow you to come to the place, to succumb to the place, to where you're lacking in zeal, you're lacking in fire, you're lacking in fervor. And I I can assure you this, that if you lack in that place, you would have been the man who would have accepted the soothsaying woman in your ministry. Because you do not have spiritual sight. And here, here's the reality is this. She wasn't saying anything wrong. If you notice very carefully, everything she was saying was correct. Were, were, were Paul false teachers? You know, that's interesting to me. A lot of the people, uh, there's a lot of people that will slander men of God. But she's not even slandering them. See, that's some of the greatest tactics of the devil, is that the devil will put someone right in your path and tell you all the right words, and you're so blind you cannot even see that it's a setup by the devil. Now, here's, here's what could have happened. Suppose Paul was not able to detect that spiritual, that demonic presence. She's making a lot of money. She has a lot of clientele. She has a lot of influence. And a carnal man, I I would reason that more than half of the men today would have partnered with such a woman. And reason, this is a great networking opportunity. Hey, she's making a lot of money. You know, uh, she's well known in the city. I mean, there's there's these higher ups, these in the hierarchy that are in that are enslaving this woman to make money for them. Hey, there's profit in this. Let's capitalize on her. Let's you know, let's do this. Let's network, and we can expand, and we can use all this uh this talk to reason us out of obeying the Holy Spirit, and then justify it by gospel advancement. Say, well, we're just advancing the kingdom of God. How many things are done under the pretense of the advancement of the kingdom of God, but is not done by the Holy Spirit? How many of our actions day to day, how many of our decisions are all justified by being moral or by doing the right thing, when in fact you're not doing the God thing? You can do good things and still not do God's thing. And anything that is not God thing is a bad thing. It's an evil thing and is demonic in nature. Yes, that's strong language, but it's demonic in nature because it is anti-Christ. See, see, here's the thing is a lot of people today, even churches, or, or they're not anti-Jesus we can talk of Jesus, the historical Jesus. Yeah, I believe he's a good teacher. I believe this. But here's the spirit that is prevalent in the first century. And today it is the spirit of Antichrist. They don't want the anointing. They don't want the Holy Spirit. They, don't, they just want to continue through life doing everything they've always done. But the moment the Holy Spirit comes in and starts calling the shots is when they put their guard up and say, I don't want none of this. <clears throat> But here's the thing, Paul had spiritual sight. He was able to see, you know why? Because they were prayerful men. 
They were going to the place of prayer. And I love Paul. I love the fact that he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He wasn't boasting. He wasn't gloating. But he was giving insight to his spiritual power. He was saying that, in effect, this is how I do what I do for God. This is how I stay close to the heart of God. This is how I stay close to Christ is I commune with Him. I subject myself to the Master. I obey Him. I, I, I come and I lay prostrate before His kingship and His lordship and His sovereignty and His majesty and His beauty. And He was able to see what other men were not able to see when He had gone to heaven because He was heavily minded to that degree. Now obviously the Lord had opened the curtain of eternity and had allowed him to see such things that weren't permissible for him to speak about. But here's the secret to his power. And I love this maxim by Raven. He said, the secret to praying is praying in secret. Not something you can concoct or manufacture or fabricate. It must become a lifestyle. The overflow and the overspill of your heart. And so... Notice again, he said, she's saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. What is contradictory there? Paul and Silas were definitely called. They were definitely servants of the Most High. You know what? It's not the correctness of that information. It is the source from which it comes. See, this is why you must be led of the Holy Spirit and be able to discern His voice because the devil will attempt his best to duplicate and replicate the workings of God. He will try to uh, uh, twist it in such a way to where it's almost indiscernible by, by the content matter. But you have to be able to pick things up by the Spirit. And that's why spiritual men can often come off as rude because they will cut people off or they'll say, hey, no, we're not doing that. Be quiet. Because they discern spirits behind people. And the natural eye will say, that's rude. Why did he do that? Paul got greatly annoyed, the Bible says. He wasn't annoyed in the flesh. He was annoyed in a spiritual way. He was provoked to rebuke that demon out of that lady. Right, And here's the reality is we can be Christians, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, and we still lack discernment. That's why you still get in relationships with people you don't need to be in relationships with. That's why you still take jobs that you ought not to be taking jobs. You you make decisions because there is an a lack of, of an ability to discern. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, for it says, For the time you ought to be teachers, you have need for one to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You have need of milk and not of meat, for meat belong to them that are full age, who have by reason of their senses, have exor- uh, by reason of use, exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. There's an exercising you must be able you must give yourself to exercise. But here's the thing, we don't it's a difficult thing. <clears throat> and it takes discipline, it takes devotion, it takes constant practice. That's why, you know, I've I've made an insistence upon this time and time again <clears throat> is pray, seek God, 
And, and when I say pray, it's not just a matter of petition. It's not just a matter of giving God your grocery list. Sometimes the greatest times you will have with the Lord is when you're just prostrate before Him and still before Him in a spirit of adoration and worship. And since you're so accustomed and acquainted to that secret place, you can easily begin to discern when things are not of God. People, when they're not from God. And they will even tell you all the right words. And they will give you a spiritual uh, uh, rub on your back to try to woo you to sleep. So you, you, you know, your vision is impaired. You come to, you, you're, you're slumbering. You're not awake. You can't see. But no, when you're close to the Holy Spirit, He will tell you. The Bible says in Isaiah that the Spirit will say, this is the way. It says that you will hear a word and it will say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Walk ye in it. This is the way. And so, she says, these are these men, um, and, and notice this too. She is a slave girl. And now I understand this is in a literal sense, but if I if I can extrapolate this and, and, and speak it in a prophetic way, see, the people that are used by the devil are enslaved. And what we will see later in the text, that self-same spirit, I believe, influenced those people to enslave Paul and Silas in prison. They tried to enslave them in a spiritual way, but Paul was able to pick it up. And since he did not succumb, you know what? They say, you know what? These guys, they're influenced. We don't need it here. We want to continue to make money. We want to continue to have our demonic influence here. So what we'll do is we'll throw them in a dungeon. We'll throw them in prison. Hopefully they'll get silenced in there. But here's the reality is whether we're locked up or whether we're going through testing or we're going through trial, irrespective of the case, you can't shut up the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. You can try to beat it out of us. You can try to seduce him out of us. You can try to do all that you can. But a man that is filled with God will speak the words of the Lord, whether it will cost him his life or freedom. Whether it will cost us his uh, our lives. And I understand that sounds radical, but I, I, I'm hard-pressed to find any true man of God in the Scriptures that, that we're not bold enough to declare the word of the Lord to set at liberty those who were taken captive and bondage. And the devil will send people who are in themselves, uh, who are themselves in bondage to try to put us in bondage. But the Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus our Lord. He always causes us to triumph. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, and this is Paul speaking, he says that the Lord had delivered him from the mouth of the lion. And on him we have set our hope, and he will deliver. And he will preserve us into his heavenly calling, into his heavenly kingdom. But it says, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. Man, isn't that interesting? I mean, because again, she has a lot of people she knows. She has a lot of clients. Probably, she, she probably have soothsayed and fortune 
has told fortune successfully act with accuracy and here's the thing the devil can give you accurate information but you know what he cannot give you the spiritual solution to your problem because the only solution is Christ and so that's why people are wowed by psychics and these palm readers because they're able to get accurate information okay well tell me how to get out of my bondage they can't because it requires them to point people to Christ. But that's not what they're doing. They're putting the focus on men and not on Jesus. They want to elevate these men because it's coming from a spirit that is, is in the business of inflating people's egos, inflating people's pride and arrogance. And it is the antithesis. It is, a, it is contrary, the complete opposite of humility. And it's coming from that spirit. And so Paul, he, she's continuing with them. It's, it's interesting. It kind of baffles me that she continues so long with them. And Paul didn't rebuke her on the first day. I'm not sure if it had taken him some time to pick this up. But whatever the case, it, it was a number of days. <coughs> and said, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. And so, I just want to say something. It's kind of related to this, but um, this stuff still happens today. This stuff haven't, hasn't stopped. And, and it's sad to me because I think there's a lot who... There's a lot of churches, sadly, that will argue against this. But you know what they do? They do that to their own congregation's detriment and peril and danger. You know why? Because there will be so many people, I assure you, that will come into their church that are demonically possessed, but they don't have the answer because they've rejected it. You know, I've, I've heard one man say that Christianity hasn't been weighed in the balances and have been found wanting but it's been weighed in the balances and have been found difficult, hard, and rejected. This will cost us our all. And it, it, it demands our all. And no, no man is of, of such authority to modify the scriptures. The scriptures are the final authority and it gives us the mandate for our lives. It tells us how to live. It tells us what to believe. But here's the thing. If we don't subject ourselves to the authority of scripture, the devil will tell us how to live. And we're all here in the first place because we have been we were tired of that. We were tired of being deceived. We were tired of being manipulated. We were tired of being lied on. But says so she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that her hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. See that's that's the evidence of a of a spirit of a of a changed life, right? Is even the worldly people begin to recognize ah the hope with this guy of partying with this guy it's, it's gone. 
the hope of 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 being in a relationship with this lady or being in a relationship with this guy it's long gone they're all about Jesus now they're changed right and so in, in a very similar way they realize that the that their their opportunity to capitalize on this lady to make money from this lady it wasn't happening anymore you know why? Because when the presence of God and the power of God is demonstrated in communities, you cannot help but to feel it. And people cannot help but to be changed. Right? There's this song by William McDowell that says, um, I've been changed, healed, delivered. But the point is this, is that we are a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And this is how we evidence that spirit of liberty in our lives is that we live holy lives that the things that we we didn't do before, the things that we've done before, we're no longer doing today. Amen? <coughs> Amen. But guess what? The devil is finding an opportunity to say, you know what? The... Let, let us, you know what, we don't want these guys here. We got to shut them up. We got to silence them. And don't think that this is restricted to the first century with gospel preaching. You know where else you will find it? You will find it on the job. You will find it in your home. You will find it um, in many different places in your life. You will find it in your marriage. The devil will use the people closest to you. That's the thing, is this lady was following Paul and Silas. And so she was in close proximity with the men of God. And so the devil will use those that are within your close proximity to wreak havoc in your life, to get you to shut up, to get you to retract from the purposes of God on your life. But Paul wasn't having that. And it says this, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. You know, the interesting thing is that Paul, he's not even doing anything. What's happening is they're getting slandered. Paul's not advocating for customs to overthrow the Roman rule. Now, to the Roman ears at times, it it sounded like that because they were proclaiming Christ as Lord. And in fact, from my understanding of of the history during that time, the Romans uh, granted a bit of freedom because they they didn't want to take away people's religion from them. Because they knew if they did, it, it would turn to their own downfall. So they had to give people a little bit of liberty. But Paul's not advocating for customs or traditions or, or any, anything that would overthrow the Roman government. They never spoke to that. Or at least in such a way the, where this, this, sort, this sort of, uh, of, of imprisonment or this sort of um, detaining from from these authorities was warranted that that's not what Paul's doing Paul is just coming and he's proclaiming liberty he he's setting the captives free and yet unlawfully cuz we'll see this later when when he's released from prison they did this unlawfully 
And so the devil is in the business of slandering people, lying on people, destroying your reputation, destroying everything that you've worked so hard to gain. Right? I mean, who, who wants to lose their freedom? But the devil will come at angles and, and try to rob you of those things for which God has given you. And so he's before these magistrates. And you know the beautiful thing is this. Even though Paul was a preacher, he wasn't a trained speaker. He didn't try to think or manufacture something in advance to serve to his defense. Jesus says, in fact, he says, people are going to bring you to trial. They're going to bring you before magistrates and authority. Don't think about what you're going to say in advance. For in that selfsame hour, the spirit of your father will be speaking through you and will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries can gainsay nor contradict. This is why they were so frustrated, because everything that came out of, mouth, of the mouth of Paul came from the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and they could never contradict it. They couldn't contradict Jesus. They couldn't contradict Paul. They couldn't contradict Peter. You know why? Because they knew that the spirit of truth was on their side and giving them the ability for advocacy in order to silence the mouth of their adversaries. Amen? <clears throat> and so that same God will defend you. That same God will defend your reputation if you care about the reputation of God. If you care about the honor of the Lord, the Lord will care about honoring you. But it says if we deny Him, He will also deny us. But he, they confessed Him before men. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm going to praise the one who gave his arms, his hands, to be pierced for my, for my transgressions. For my transgressions. How can I deny the Lord who has loved me so much? And you know what's so beautiful is that even Peter, who did deny him, the Lord ended up strengthening him. And that feeble man in an hour of his weakness, and his hour of weakness was tied to his, his, not his disobedience to the instruction to watch and pray in Gethsemane. Had he had prayed, he may have been able to endure temptation. But in his hour of trial, he faltered and he failed and he collapsed. But thank God that there's a Jesus that doesn't collapse. Thank God that there's a God who doesn't falter, who isn't feeble, who don't grow weary, who is always sufficient in strength. He's abundant in strength and he empowers and he secures and he aids and he strengthens and he guides. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning uh, and the end. He's the Ancient of Days. He is the Great I Am. He has all power and all wisdom and all glory and all might. And He's here to strengthen. He's here to empower so that if you have fallen, He's able to lift you up. And He's not only able, but He wants to. But he says, are you willing? Will you be made whole? You know, because there's a responsibility. You know, I, I, I understand that it's, it's sometimes a thing that people don't want. Because if you heal my legs, that means I got a responsibility now that I not had before. And I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. I like getting a retirement. 
I like getting disability. I don't know, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, the man, he comes, you know, it's kind of like the guy who asks, you know, for money. It's like, bro, I can get you a burger. Oh, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know about that. You were just saying you're hungry. But Paul is getting slandered. And it says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. <clears throat> you know, um, I understand, you know, that's a pretty difficult thing. There's an entire mob that's against these two guys. You know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes the things you did in the world, a mob never came after you. People never came at you the way that that the, the certain wicked people are coming at you now because you're the church. Right? But Paul Peter says this, he says, don't think it strange. Concerning the fiery trials that are come to try you as though some strange thing were happening unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of the sufferings of Christ. But he says, if any man let, if any man suffers, let him not suffer as an evildoer, as a slanderer, as a meddler. But it says, glorify God in that name. In what name? As a Christian. Because the word Christian in that day was a derogatory term. It wasn't a good term. It was... Basically, it, it was it was a bad jacket you had to wear, kind of like if people today had the jacket of molester or uh, sexual violator or something like that. It's a jacket people don't want to wear. Well, this is a jacket that isn't a is you know now we make crosses, we even have Christian bookstores, but it wasn't like that, right? They didn't have the luxury of this being a cultural norm. They didn't have the luxury of this being the culture of their society. But there are mobs after them. But Paul doesn't lose heart. Silas doesn't lose heart. It says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, <coughs> Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening to them. Let me ask you this question. I'm not looking for answers. How many of us would have been praying in that cell? How many of us would have been singing hymns, songs, and spiritual songs unto the Lord, making melody with our hearts? It's a very challenging thing. You know, what I've learned through my life is that there are some people who will praise God in prison, but there's others that won't. Some can only praise them in prosperity, and some can only praise them in prison. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm here again. Right? Some bad things happen in your life. You get stuck in a rut. Some bad things occur. And then your eyes are now looking to heaven. And for the opposite, people are only praising God when He hands, hands them hands out. 
When, when things are prosperous, when things are going well, then they look up to heaven. If, if things aren't going good and things are going bad, rather, and things are only, they're suffering or they're incurring damage in some way or, or it's not going how they had planned at the work or in, in a marriage or relationship, then they turn their eyes away from the Lord and say, how can you, O Lord, allow all this to happen? But Job says, are we not to receive good and evil at the hand of the Lord? Who are we as the clay to say to the maker, why have you made me thus? Or why are you allowing this? But one thing is for certain is God's goodness remains even in those circumstances. The goodness of God is not a circumstantial goodness. And is not interpreted by how good our life is. Because by those standards, Jesus did not live a good life. And we're more informed by Osteen than we are by Jesus. Some of you got to throw that book away. <laughs> Just messing with you. I'm pretty sure none of you guys have that book. But in case you do, it's probably about time you throw it away. <laughs> Um, <coughs> but God is good and the Holy Spirit is what is giving them strength see here, here's the thing the Holy Spirit is not going to be bound by circumstances the Holy Spirit in us that's why you can be going through hell and you still find an amen with preachings because the Holy Spirit is saying amen to his own word that's why you can be thrown in a prison or a dungeon. And the Holy Spirit said, this don't move me. God is worthy of praise at all times. The Bible says, he, he, l l praise the Lord at all times. And may His praise continually be in our mouth. You know, I know that there's, there's sort of a... Um, I think the, the term praise has become over-churched. Like just praise Him through your breakthrough. You know, that, that sort of deal. But no, literally, I think that, that you ought to find the praise in the midst of your heart unto the Lord as the Lord is granting you breakthroughs. Even while you're in the stocks and you're in prison and it's midnight and you can't even call your family at home because they don't got no, they don't got a, a, a phone there for you to make calls and there's hell that is breaking loose. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <coughs> Rejoice always in the Lord. Peter says this is, joy is inexpressible and full of glory. And that's why, you know, every time I run up in a, a, a problem, I say, you know what? And I'm tempted to get in the flesh. I say, this is about time I pray. This is about time I pray because I know that if I don't yield myself to the Lord, it's going to revert to pity, it's going to revert to uh, um, focusing inward or focusing in my problems, and it's an attempt by the devil to derail me from giving my attention to the Lord. <clears throat> but right here he says, about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I believe there was something very attractive and that these other prisoners were receiving edification from the songs that these men were singing unto the Lord. Perhaps they were even good singers. 
I'm not sure why you would want to listen to someone who didn't sing well. But in any case, it might very well have been the case that they're not good singers, but the Holy Spirit was wooing these other prisoners who were in themselves in despair and in bondage. See, that's the gracious thing about God. That's the wonderful thing about the Lord is that you can be going through trials and you still be a blessing and a voice of hope to other people. It says, they were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prisoners, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chain, uh, chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. <clears throat> the jailer called the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must do I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Remember how I said that earlier Paul had received the, the Macedonian call to go to this particular region. So this was a mandate by God himself. And so even if you are in prison... Even in you're in some difficult straits, even in you're you're in a, in a situation that leads you to believe that it's impossible to carry on with what God wants you to do. Understand that suddenly can come an answer, like it came here. So suddenly there was an earthquake, and so how is that sensible? Who would expect to have an earthquake in prison? I don't expect that. I expect, you know, God may move on their hearts, you know, you know, ha- have them have a change of heart, see from a different perspective. But, you know, some, God isn't confined to the ways that we think he should move. And there came an answer suddenly. And this came because God was not done with what he wanted Paul and Silas to accomplish. So it doesn't matter what hands are on you. The Lord can easily break those fingers and say, get those hands off my son. He's not done with the call that I've had and I have on his life. That's why, let me just say this. Some some things are not working for some of you. Some relationships are not working for you. Because you know why? It's God's way of prying those fingers off your life to deliver you from what will be a danger to you. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you're going to think, oh, this is the devil, this is just opposition. In some cases, it is satanic opposition. But I have found that there's a lot of times when it's God all over the situation, giving you an open door to escape that which will be to your own danger. So we need to be careful. But the Lord is able to deliver no matter what is going on? He's able to set free. He's able to open prison doors. But you know what I love about Paul and Silas? It doesn't matter where they're at and where they're dumped. They're not going to allow this to serve as an occasion to rob God of the glory that is due unto him. Amen. I will praise him. 
says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You look at the Psalms of David, whether he was down or whether he was up, whether he was depressed or whether he was joyous. In all times he continued to render unto the Lord worship and glory and praise. Because you know what I've learned too is this, is that the devil will make your life good. Right? Everything circumstantially, everything externally looks good to the natural eye, but you don't know that you're actually enchained. The devil will bring good into your life for your evil. God will allow evil into our lives for our good. But as we continue, it says, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial even though we are uh, we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. Now, I don't know what's up with Paul, but if I was him, I'm like, all right, deuces, like, I'm out, thank you. You know, where's my, where's, uh, I'm rolling up, where's my clothes? I just want to go home. <laughs> but Paul, you know, he, he's an interesting man, and it's no wonder why I think, uh, you know, Felix said, man, your much learning has made you mad. You're a peculiar fellow. But th- this is this is what Paul is responding to these guys. This is, I believe this is why Paul had such he had a heart of integrity and a heart that uh, loved righteousness, so that he even desired to see it, and um, in these political spheres, just like uh, Brother Malachi. wants to see righteousness in political spheres. Hallelujah. May the Lord use you in government, brother. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> the officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them. They probably came and here's here's some coffee. Here's some, you know, so you know, here's some foot rubs. Just g- g- leave. Come on, <laughs> come on now. No, no, we we all made mistakes. Where is that mercy you were preaching? Can we have some of that, please? <laughs> Requesting them to leave the city after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. You know that's amazing. You know, imagine the testimonies they're able to share with this recent convert, this baby in Christ. Lydia just, you know, not long before had opened up her heart to the Lord. She gets saved. She gets converted. And now Paul and Silas are able to go to this uh, home group and tell of this wonderful testimony of how God delivered. This is the book of Acts in flesh and blood. It's kind of, it reminds me of when they were praying for Peter 
And Peter gets released from prison and they don't even believe that it's him. They say, oh, it must be his angel. And he's knocking at the door. I think sometimes God wants to go beyond what we expect him to do. And he wants some Book of Acts experiences in our lives. God, has, God hasn't died. God hasn't gone to sleep. He isn't slumbering. You know, like the word says in Psalm 77, he says, Has the promise of the Lord failed forevermore? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has his promise failed forevermore? That he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That he's still the God that heals. He's still the God that delivers. He's still the God that sets free. He's still the God that tells demons to get out of a new house that is a, is a home unto the Lord now. He's still the God that is rescuing. He's, the, he's still the God that has mercy and grace. He's the God that provides. He's the God that strengthens. He's the God that gives you counsel and wisdom. We don't have to go to these other routes and the, these other avenues in order to get what is found in God. What is found in Christ. What is found in the Lord Jesus. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate things when things are as simple as this, that we go to the Lord who is our help. You know, when David was in distress... What did he say? He says, oh Lord, help me, my God and my rock and my Savior. You know, we're looking for a lot of how-tos. But when we need more than a how-to, we need a person. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And I'm not against, you know, points and and, and, and guidelines and principles, but more than principles, we need a person. We need a vibrant relationship with Him. We need to be filled with Him, endued by Him, empowered by Him. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what I love is... The Bible says that Jesus grew in both wisdom and uh, says wisdom, uh, favor before God and men. See when we're we're when we're on when we're obedient to the Lord, He will move people out of the way. He will open prison doors, and He will turn the heart of those magistrates and the heart of those kings and say, "You know what? Those are my chosen. You do this for them." The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the nations are all together as a drop in a bucket. It says, Any, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for Him? But I just wanted to return back to this idea once more. Because this was the main reason why, uh, a big reason for me selecting this this passage is the idea of discernment <clears throat> we have to sharpen our spiritual sight our spiritual ears to be able to hear what the spirit is saying for our lives 
you know, there, there's this, uh, the Greek word episkopos. I was writing down some notes. And uh, episkopos, it comes from the Greek prefix. Uh, it's it's uh, the word epi, which means over. And skopos is where we get the English word scope, and it means to examine or to give sight to. And that's where we get that Greek word oversight, and that is the term that is attributed to a pastor, one who gives oversight. But here's the thing, is those who do not pray will not have oversight to their lives. This is why Jesus says, watch, give sight to, watch and pray. Because when you pray, it gives you an oversight to those blind spots in your life. Our minds are finite. We only know so much. Some of us may have majored in psychology. Some of us know a lot of things about relationships. But here's the thing. These are only, this is only one facet of knowledge. But to the man who prays, to the woman who prays, God is able to elevate you with an aerial view so you can see your entire surrounding so you do not have blind spots. This is why Paul did not falter, did not get duped by a blind spot when a woman comes in their midst because he was able to see with spiritual eyes. This is precisely why Jesus too knew the hearts of the Pharisees. He says, you're trying to kill me. Whereas empirically, he had nothing to go based off of. But he knew by the Spirit, you guys are plotting against me. I love this testimony, man. There's a testimony of a... I know that his name has received a lot of controversy, uh, but uh, William Branham, there was this night where these men... They don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing new under the sun. We see a lot of them today. Uh, but there's these men that had come to his, his revival meetings, and he had come up supposedly for prayer. And then William Branham stopped him. He said, you're trying, to, you're trying to trick me. He says, I see you in a vision with four other men plotting, uh, discussing last night uh, to, to plot against me. And he says, there they are right there in that balcony. And he rebuked him and the men ran out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, you know, my cousin, he says, you can fool me, but you can't fool the Holy Ghost in me. But that requires a rich and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of things that are done in the name of discernment today, but is nothing more than a harsh and, and pure criticism. No, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Intimacy. And the Lord will be able to say, watch out. And, you, and here's the thing, and I want to teach you guys this. This is where at this point, you have to reject the intellect. When your mind cannot make sense of what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Because in my earlier days, there was a lot that the Holy Spirit was telling me, but I was thinking in my mind, this doesn't make sense. And in fact, I would think of verses that could have potentially reasoned me to this situation. 
But the Holy Spirit, meanwhile, wasn't that he was contradicting his word, but it was that he had insight to the word that I did not have. But he was speaking to me. And sometimes all you will get are faint impressions and little words. And you're not going to hear these rumbling and the thunders and Mount Sinai. All you're going to get is those still small voices. And if you don't heed to that, a closed door will occur. And this is where a lot of entrapment comes. And we wonder why there's deficiency. And, and meanwhile, meanwhile, and some of us who are influenced in any way with a lot of reform guys will just cast it upon the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He is in control. No, you have not because you ask not. There's a lot of things that will not occur and you'll miss if you do not pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to you and to the church. There's a lot of unnecessary headaches, a lot of unnecessary pitfalls that could have been avoided had you had your frequency tuned to the Holy Spirit. But as I mentioned, it says in Hebrews, this comes by constant use, constant exercise. You know, I heard a wonderful analogy is even if you devote 30 minutes to prayer every single day and 30 minutes to the Word, you know, the, the steps... Let's suppose, I don't know the exact uh, amount of inches, but suppose they're five uh, inches in height, right? And then you got five inches this way. If you continue five inches every day, you continue to scale the ladder and you build yourself up. Consistency. And there's a compound effect the more you continue, there's exponential growth. The more you acclimate to greater depths and greater lengths and greater heights in God. We move from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. From glory to glory. The glory of yesterday is not the glory I want today. I want a glory, an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs in comparison everything that I've suffered up until this point. And I just want to assure you as we come into a close, the Lord, if you sow in tears, my brothers and sisters, you will reap in joy. I remember this wonderful quote, and it's this, that pleasure is always bought at the price of pain. And inevitably, you're going to have pain, and inevitably, you're going to have pleasure. The choice is this. Do I want to drink the cup of pain, the the cup where the pain comes first, but the pleasure will be lasting and enduring? Or do I want immediate gratification, and I drink this cup of pleasure today, but the pain that comes as a result of that is enduring? You know, I was just praying the other day, and the Holy Spirit came upon me in such a powerful way. Because I began to think of, uh, when I was you know, a baby in the Lord, I began to think of wrong turns I've made, or too much time devoted to that, not enough time devoted to this, and things that have wrong roads that have gone down. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and said that I can restore everything. I can restore the years. And I just began to weep, because I know that God is able to do what, I could have done in 10 years of my life, but the Lord is able to accomplish in a year like that. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Because here's what you brothers and sisters, this is what we have that the world doesn't have. We have the grace of God. We have the favor of the Lord upon us. We're blessed of the Lord. We're blessed in our going in. We're blessed in our going out. We're not cursed. And so the earth should not, the earth should be yielding to us. The heavens are opened unto us, so the earth should be yielding to us. Fruitfulness, great clusters of grapes, liveliness, vibrancy is the inheritance of the saints. This is our lot. Hallelujah. No more of, of, of failure in education. No more failure in your job. No more failure. No more getting demoted. No more getting reprimanded. Only promotion from here. And I believe, I believe, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I believe bad things can happen, yes. But when we say yes to the Lord, we find a yes in our hearts to God. I believe that there's a lot of favor that comes. It's like, man, I was unqualified. I didn't deserve this. But somehow, some way, when I just heeded the voice of the Holy Spirit, God began to open doors. He began to give me my heart's desire. He began to grant the petitions of my lips. Everything externally was lying to me and saying this isn't going to happen. But I can continued to lay claim. I continued to wrestle with God like Jacob. And finally, after wrestling with the Lord in prayer, he grants us our prayer, are the petitions of our lips. There's people that are more, and I, I feel this by the Spirit of God to say this, there's people, there's, you're waiting on things and people, you feel like, man, this person knows more than me. I don't know if I'll get this position. They're more qualified than me. But the Holy Ghost is saying that I have favored you, I have graced you, and I put a priority on you because you've put a priority on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is speaking in this place. Favor ain't fear. Favor ain't fear. The Lord puts you first when you put Him first. So He will put people on the back burner just for you. Hallelujah. He said, nope, move this person out of the way. Get up out of the way. My son, my daughter, they're coming through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. For this message, Lord, I thank you.